We are CEOs, executives, educators, and professionals from all sectors of society who support the global expansion of betterment in the world through joy and joyly. I'm your host, Cheryl Lynn, founder of the Chair of Joy Experience. Together, we have developed the World Council of Joy, and our council invites CEOs and innovators from impactful organizations to the Joyly podcast. We showcase how generous, bold, and fully engaged they are in their work and what a culture of joy is to them. Welcome to the Joyly podcast. I have Chris Corsi here with me today, and we are talking all about how and why and what to do to make joy accessible in your life. So I have conversations every day, all day long, and people say, you know, I just want to have a little bit more joy in my life. And so we have spent, both Chris and I have spent a lifetime reading the science, trying to understand it for ourselves. And I know specifically for me, Chris, I've been, I've been moving through life on a quest, right? Like, well, maybe it's over there, or maybe it's that, or maybe it's this food, or maybe it's that house, or this city, or, you know, that walk, or whatever, whatever it is. But I think that we don't have to chase it anymore. And um, there's plenty of research and science and all of Chris's work, and especially with Dr. Wilder, that shows us that joy is accessible. So before we get into all of that, Chris, I'd love to just say hello to you and have you introduce yourself, if you will. I've been watching tons of videos about who you are and just blows me away. So please yourself if you don't mind. Well, thank you, Cheryl. Yes. So I'm Chris Corsi. My wife, Jen, and I, we have two boys, 10 and 11 year old sons. So it's a very fun, exciting stage of life. Lots of, lots of joy in this season. And uh, yeah, my wife and I run Thrive Today, which is a nonprofit. We've really focused on training relational skills, um, 19 skills, and I've worked with Dr. Jim Wilder for about yeah, 20 of 25 years that I've been doing this work. And yeah, our goal is just to really help people discover that joy is accessible. We can actually learn these important character relational skills, whereas joy is at the center of those skills. So we do events, create curriculum, and just kind of partner with people as we try to get this message out there. So I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for this opportunity to be together and spend some time together here. Absolutely. And thrivetoday.org for everybody. Uh, once again, please go visit. It is the cleanest, clearest, most understood site that I've ever been on. Um, so congratulations, Chris, for your work and helping us make joy accessible by making your site easy to follow. So there's courses on there and amazing videos. So I wanted to just tap into real quick and I don't want to go down the whole story, but you told a beautiful story about how you were in the airport and there was a man there and he was crabby as all get out. And you kept getting this knock on the shoulder, right? And it's yeah. it's Jesus or God and yeah. you're a very spiritual human being. Um, for some people, you might might be intuition or the universe saying, hey, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. And so this gentleman not only paid attention, but he told you what specifically? Would you share that with us? Yeah, it was an amazing moment. This guy was really just kind of losing it. He was offline. We were going to board a, a plane and the plane was full. So they sent us back to the desk so we could basically have to all get a hotel room for the night and fly out the next morning. And he lost it I mean, he gloriously was just losing it. He was yelling at people like right in their faces, yelling. The whole terminal was silent as this guy was just kind of making his rounds, working his way to this desk. And as I was watching him, 
I mean, for one, I just felt compassion for the guy because obviously this was a bad day for whatever reasons. I just knew there, this was a bad day for him. And and I felt really sad for the people who were, he was kind of losing it with because they know they had to feel like roadkill. And as I was watching him, I'm, I'm a praying person. So I was watching him and just kind of thinking, wow, this is bad. And I had this thought and the thought was, uh, I sensed Jesus saying, go pray for this guy. And my first thought was, no way. Like, this guy's furious. He's going he's gonna to kill someone. So my first thought was like, what? That's crazy. But uh, the thought didn't go away. I just, I started to feel compelled. And um, a friend of mine who was a missionary turned to me. And as I'm having this inner dialogue in my mind, she says, Chris, I think you're supposed to go talk with that man and pray with that man. I thought, oh, well, now I, now I can't get out of it. So I've got to go do it here to save face. So. I, I went over to him as he worked his way. I walked over to him and I said, Hey, um, hi, sir. It's, you know, it looks like you're having a really bad day. Um, and I'd be honored if you'd let me, you know, just pray with you. And at that time, I didn't know if he was going to deck me or like, I didn't know what was going to happen. He was that irate, but he paused and he thought about this for a moment and he said, yeah, okay, Sure. So he set down his bags and I was like, okay. So, you know, the whole terminal's silent. Everybody's watching this guy because he'd caused quite a scene. And we just, I don't honestly can't remember anything that I prayed for this man. I just prayed whatever came out of my mouth. And by the end of uh, the little time, as quiet time, time of prayer, I looked up and I saw he had tears streaming hmm. down his face. And that shocked me. And that's when I knew something's going on here. And he said, you know, this is interesting because I was supposed to board this flight to go home to be with my family. I was recently diagnosed with this severe cancer. My time is short. I was actually on a trip to get some medical help and attention and I'm on my way home. So not to be home tonight robs me of precious time with my family. And I just blew me away. And, and he says, you know what? I've been, I'm, this is interesting because I've been feeling like I need to get right with God. And I thought, wow. And then he says, wait a minute. And he says, I got to do something. And he, he walked off and he went back to every person that he yelled at, that he cussed out, that he just kind of blasted. He went back to every person. They were all have flight uniforms on because they're with the airline, right? So, yeah. Yeah. He went back and he, he apologized to each and every person. And it took him a little while because there were a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but that's a, oh, that's, go ahead. that's a beautiful story. And I would like to, I would like us to hone in on one part because I know you are an expert in the brain science of this. So um, thank you for that story, first of yeah. all. Uh, so here's the part that I want to talk about. So the mm -hmm. disruption, the part where you said you heard, first of all, but then you grabbed him or, or sat him down or guided him to sit down. And so, you know, the big thing for me is to sit down in a chair mm -hmm. of joy, right? So yeah. you physically sat him down in a chair and you disrupted the the pattern of what he was in, which was rampage right. and anger and crazy. And what what's next? And why is everyone doing, why is the world falling down on my shoulders today? Right. And so, right. so so you you probably got him to take a couple of deep breaths yeah. 
and to shift his thinking. And some people call it prayer. Some people call it, you know, just sitting still or meditating or whatever the thing is. But what do you think scientifically happened in that moment? Yeah. Well, you know what? When you feel alone, um, your brain has this kind of joy relational mode. And it has, when it's not in a joyful relational place, we we call it, my colleague Jim Wilder calls it enemy mode. So if I'm not in relational mode, I'm in enemy mode. And that means people feel like enemies or problems to solve. So at that moment, I think he was in enemy mode. But what makes enemy mode hard to get out of is when I feel alone in my pain. So I think having someone come up to him for one thing, right, is like to look beyond his demeanor and, and energy and everything and just go to him and see him and hear him, I think that suddenly he felt connected at some level. And so like biologically, scientifically, his brain is now like shifting out of this enemy mode survival circuit kind of running the show back to this, what we call kind of frontal lobe relational mode. And it's like, oh, you see me. I feel seen, I feel heard, I feel understood. So I think that was the start of something really good right there. Just having someone connect with him and and giving him a chance to quiet because your brain actually really needs to quiet when you're in enemy mode. And it's the last thing you want to do when you're in enemy mode because you just kind of want to blast and solve problems and fix or whatever. Yeah. And gave him a chance to catch his breath. Absolutely. So I just want to, I want to uh, commend you for being a human being on the planet that knows how to access your own joy, you know how to sustain it in your daily lives with your little boys and your family and, um, you know, just being the best person you can be on a daily basis, but actually taking a moment to activate joy in the world. And maybe this gentleman that's going around and, you know, screaming and yelling isn't the, you know, the mind shifting, you know, changing the world yeah. thing, but look at all the people's lives then that got impacted based on your activity right mm -hmm. so now that steward or that that lady behind the counter the gentleman now mm -hmm. feels better when they go home that night so i just want to thank yeah. you for that well thank My you next, you're very welcome you're very welcome mm -hmm. i mean it's huge just huge and i just i just think that what mm -hmm. if more people stood into that uh so i'll let you answer that and then sure. uh, back the next question is um based on what you just said where he's getting out of his enemy mode and getting into relational there's a there's a quiz that you have online it's an assessment from joy today and there's results here and it's you know anywhere from 24 percent all the way up to a hundred percent and there's different levels of it which i think everyone should take this test by the way um, mm -hmm. but what do you mean when if i score high my ability to stay relational on a regular basis um what does that mean exactly yeah, good question. So like the goal with this is really just a little taking your relational temperature is just really to help people notice, um, do I normally stay in my relational sweet spot where, you know, this, this relational mode is activated? I enjoy people. I like connecting. I'm glad to be with other people. Or do I just, you know, kind of need, I need a little more practice. I need a little more work to really create these joy habits as we call them. So that's the goal is really to help people. Like when we're in enemy mode, I just wish people would go away. I don't want to interact with people. They just feel like enemies or problems or I just want to win. Um, but when we're in relational mode, it's like, you know what? I care about you and I, I want us both to win and I feel compassion and I actually feel some glad to be with you response, which is a night and day response from enemy mode. So hopefully, you know, as people spend some time reflecting and thinking about this, 
the good news is no matter where I land, um, I can always grow. The brain is this learning machine and it's glorious. So we can learn new skills, new habits and get to the point where we stay, as I say, um, often we'll just tell people, have we stay in our relational sweet spot? And that's where joy grows and spreads when we're in our relational sweet spot. And so that's your work, right, Chris, is to take these 19 um, key points and uh, relation, relational tips, if you will, or yeah. courses that you have. And, and I'm curious, how does how does one, so first of all, if I'm in the 24% range and I'm always like this, right, how do I start elevating it based on what you do? Yeah. And number two, how is this um, manufactured in an employee relationship? Great so, question. Yeah. Yeah. So great question. So with like the relational mode, if I find that I've got some work to do, the good news is there's, there's things I can do that's going to help kind of optimize my ability to grow joy. And one of the easiest ways we can do this is really help people think about the good stuff. So sometimes when I'm meeting with people or consulting, I'll say, Hey, what was a highlight from your day? Or tell me some highlights from your week. So when you think about the good stuff, your brain responds as though you're reliving the moment all over again. So if I'm stuck in a cycle where I'm just kind of amplifying negativity and I'm just focusing on what's wrong. And so the brain that's trained on joy will walk into a room and look for things to enjoy. The brain that's not trained on joy becomes very critical. So I look for problems. I get stuck on problems and I could have 20 good things in my day, but I'll think about the one thing that went wrong. So the good news is, especially in a work environment, there's very practical things you can do, help people to think about, feel, and share the good stuff. So if you create an environment where say, hey, share some highlights from your day, or if you have staff meetings, I always have people start with things that they appreciate about their job, appreciate about their coworkers, um, just good things from the day. So really you want people to Think about it and feel it, but you also want them to share it. So it's say, hey, tell me that story real quick. You know, in under two minutes, tell me the story. That right there is really training your brain. Your brain looks back to predict the future, right? So your brain looks in the rearview mirror to predict what's around the corner. So when you do these very practical steps, you're basically creating new habits for your character that you will use without even thinking about it. Becomes, it becomes like a reflex. And so I encourage any work environment, we're going to be more productive, creative, fruitful workers together when we feel seen, we feel heard, we feel understood, and we're thinking about the good stuff and we're sharing it together. And it doesn't mean we dismiss problems or, you know, sweep them under the rug. It just means we sandwich problems with good stuff. So like an exercise my family and I'll do every, every night at the dinner table is three highlights from the day and one thing that made you sad. And so for every sad thing that I share, we have to share three good things. So we acknowledge the hard stuff, but we're actually sandwiching the hard stuff with some good stuff, which helps my brain stay relational and to hold on to joy uh, when I'm interacting with people. Beautiful answer. Thank you for that. And I do much of the, uh, the similar work and it's extremely transformational. When somebody stops to ask those questions of, of anyone, right? Your kids, your family, your employee, your CEO, it's, it's, yeah. it's really night and day what happens when you yes. tap into the story. I'm going to take myself out of the screen and I want you to answer this question. If I were a CEO watching right now, watch, listening to this, and you wanted to say, you know what? 
it's crazy out there. It's nuts. What is it that they have to learn from you? If you had, you know, one hour with them, you know, let's boil it down into a couple of minutes. What would you say to them? Great question. So what I would say are going to be more productive. You're going to be more resourceful, more creative. You're going to better navigate problems if you stay in your relational sweet spot. And so what that means is with a little bit of practice, you can notice whether you're in relational mode or whether you're kind of slipping into enemy mode. And when we're in enemy mode, we lose creativity and we lose our ability to think ahead and predict negative outcomes. So let's face it, you don't want to be in enemy mode for your own job, but also as you're trying to empower the people who are working with and for you, you want to, you want to really strengthen and empower people to be in their relational sweet spot. So with a little bit of practice, this can go a long way. And so you want to create the kind of atmosphere where joy spreads and joy is contagious. It just means that you're, you're genuinely glad to be with people. So if you have you have people on your team who, who feel like you genuinely are glad to be with them and you genuinely care about them, they feel seen, heard, and understood, they're going to be you're they're going to be more productive and efficient and resourceful in their jobs and creative in their jobs. So you can easily kind of sense it's bringing out the best in other people as you work together toward a common goal, right? We want to get the job done, but we want to get the job done well. And we now know from, from brain research that when I'm in, when the fear centers in my brain are running the show, I'm not going to be a good version of myself. My productivity goes down. It's not a good uh, long-term motivator. Joy is actually a much better motivator for the brain and for relationships. So helping people to feel, um, just to feel cared for, helping them feel seen and helping them to access the good stuff. So if, in other words, if you're, if you're navigating a problem with people, we're going to navigate this problem better if I feel like you're in this with me, right? So I, I might say something like, hey, you know what? You're just the guy to solve this problem. Tell me, you know, what creative solutions can we come up with here? So if, if people feel like you you see them, you hear them, and you understand them, they're actually going to be better at solving problems. And so in my book, uh, The Joyce, which I, I come up with a couple different ways to help people um, do this, but one of the things is helping people access appreciation. So this is just thinking about the good stuff um, will actually help to put me back in my relational sweet spot. So I might say, hey, what was good from your weekend? We're just going to take you know, 45 seconds to give me a highlight all right, now we're gonna we're gonna solve the problem. We're gonna have this meeting. But I I would start out every meeting helping people to get in their relational sweet spot. You don't have to explain it to them. You don't have to give them all the brain science. But you could just have them do simple things. Thinking about appreciation, thinking about the good stuff, will actually access this relational circuit, this relational sweet spot. Sometimes it's just having people take a breather. So sometimes it's just pausing, taking some deep breaths. Every time we take nice deep breaths, that that um, pushes the brakes of your autonomic nervous system, which means that I calm down, right? So it's called the parasympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system. All it means is that I can calm down and I can feel peaceful. So having have people take some nice deep breaths. Um, you could also kind of slip in some gratitude. You know, what are you thankful for? 
And so if I find that um, we're getting lost in a problem, we're losing our creativity, I would pause. Maybe I'd take a breather. I would have somebody access one of their joy files with appreciation. And I would have them notice, okay, you know what, what good things are happening here? Let's get relational. Now let's solve our problem. Stories are wonderful. Anytime you can have people tell some simple stories of the good stuff, that's actually going to not only keep them in their sweet spot, but it's going to help other people get into their sweet spot. So these are just little, simple little exercises people can do, and it will completely change the atmosphere and the environment, especially in a very stressful, stressful workplace where, where yes. things are just hard. Yes. Yes. Even if the hybrid situation, right? Some people are home, some people are work. I mean, just taking that deep breath yeah. um, I think is brilliant. And can you, I always have this picture of this, this vision of going at it on all day long and that's happening. And like, I can't even he hear or think that there's yeah. a deep breath. It just yeah. isn't happening. And so I appreciate your conversation about that. Yes. Thank you. It's very practical. You know, these things are accessible. And Cheryl, I noticed you automatically do a lot of this stuff. Just when I interact with you, you, you bring this out in people. And so I've appreciated that about you. You, you do this. Yeah. I'd like to get your insight. I know we quickly went through the chair of joy exercise the last time, but I just want to refresh your memory. So the, the process is, is to get 4 billion people to say chair of joy, right? It's, yeah. it's all that you were just describing and then physicalizing it in a chair so they can appreciate, mm -hmm. so they can be, have gratitude. So the, the, the tools are, or the words are sit, mm -hmm. sit in your chair of joy, right? Take a deep breath think about a moment, right? Memo, think, think, even for kindergartners, because I heard you say everything you learn is under the age of three, right? So think, think, think about that, that coloring piece we did today, or that river walk we took, or whatever the thing is, and then feel it, right? Physically feel it in your bones. And then do you, can you even feel the goosebumps on the back of your neck? And then as you said, can you can you tell a story about it? So that's the chair of joy practice. Imagine, Chris, I'd love to hear your your commentary about if that's a practice in the world, what we could do for, for Yeah, that's a game changer, honestly. I love the idea that you have people sit. So they're just just the chance to sit almost is just that invitation to we're gonna take a moment, right? We're gonna take a moment and we're gonna pause. I love that you have people breathe. And you have people accessing the good stuff because, again, when, when I open a file, a joy file in my brain, amazing things happen. There's this cascade of reactions. So the feel-good chemicals are released. It impacts my heart rate, my blood pressure, everything. It's just like, wow, you're, you're reliving the moment when you have them share their story. Not only does it help me get more bang out of that appreciation that I'm experiencing, but then it helps me to share it with other people. Stories do this amazing things. If you tell your stories well, including what you're feeling, it, it activates both sides of your brain. So you've got the words and the descriptions, but you also have the feelings, the sensations. What is it like? What does it feel like? What were you thinking? So stories are just one of the wonderful ways that we share the joy with other people. And I love how you have people just think about what is it like to be in your body? So your body is the canvas for your brain. So you learn a lot about how I'm doing in my brain by noticing my body. It is this canvas for what's happening here between my ears. 
So noticing your body actually activates what's called this prefrontal cortex on the right side of your brain. So the moment you start thinking about scanning, noticing your body, this, this muscle in your brain comes on. And this is the part of the brain that can override fear. So it's like the main part in your brain that can override fear responses. So just noticing, how do you feel? What's it like? Uh, That's how I ask people as well. I'll say, what's it like to be in your shoes right now? That's what I'm wanting people to really notice. Like, how does joy feel? And if I'm in your shoes, what kinds of things would I be noticing in my body from the top of my head to the soles of my feet? So that exercise here is brilliant because what you're doing is you're really helping people to tap into joy. And when you have people do that, again, with practice, it becomes a habit. And when it's a habit, I don't have to think about it. It uses less energy because now there's like this super highway in my brain to be able to access joy quicker and more effectively, more efficiently. So these are the kinds of practices that if you did this on a regular basis, it's a game changer. And the good news is this this is available. That's why I love the work that you're doing here, because this is very practical, um, but very impactful. And for groups to do this and and implement this is just, yeah, you get the world doing this stuff. The world's going to be a different place. Well, I'm learning from you. But yes, the idea is to create the chair of joy and make it a practice that becomes habitual. And so that is the challenge, right? Because like I said earlier, who even stopped to take a deep breath, let alone bolt over to your chair of joy somewhere away from your computer. So that's the challenge. But what I'm learning based on the science, Chris, and based on your work and everything that's out there is this, there's proof in it. And I think people are listening. They're becoming aware that, you know what, I'm life is too short. If I'm speeding through this, what what's the purpose of it all, right? And so I, I think they're hearing the conversation that, that we've been carrying for you for many, many years. Well, how long have you been doing this? What, 20 years, you said? 25 years, so more than half my life. And I got to say, I, I'm excited about what you're doing because you're really giving people this invitation that joy is accessible and it's a beautiful game changer. It will change the world. So now the day that's coming for me is when we bring the chair of joy to the White House. Yes, we need it. Yes, that'd be wonderful. Can you imagine? <laughs> imagine just the, the ripple that would happen. That would and be we, magnificent. And why not the UN? I mean, let's just yeah. go for it all the way yeah. and, and, yes. and create a conversation that isn't currently happening. Yeah, in I it. love it. I love it. We need it. We, we need it. Yeah, we do. So joy is accessible. You knew it before you were age three. Your job and our job is to remind people that it's there. It's always been there. It's yeah. different levels throughout the day. It's not utopia, right? It's, right. Uh, it's the fact that we are sad and upset and overwhelmed, but we can yeah. use our chair of joy or all your principles to disrupt, just like you did from the to bring this full circle to disrupt the pattern of behavior from that gentleman that was angry in the airport. I mean, he. Yeah. You wanted the tap on the shoulder and whether it came from God or your intuition, like I said earlier, it is, it is the time to listen yeah. and I, taking action. Oh my goodness. So would you say that companies are hearing um, and inviting you in to do the, to do the work? Is, is that happening now? Yeah. You know, it's been in the beginning, 25 years ago, this was people were like, what is, why do I need joy? That doesn't seem very important. Now there's so much more receptivity. People are more open. We've got companies and organizations who are starting to learn this, especially some of the bigger companies they're lear- they're seeing the science come out and they go, wow, we've got to pay attention to this. So I'm very hopeful that there's, 
the ground is so much more ready for the good stuff to grow in communities around the globe. And so, yeah, there's a, there's an openness there. And I think it's only going to grow. That's exciting. That is so exciting. And our colors and our brands are yellow and white pretty much. So we have a lot of synergy there. And I have yeah. a vision of a of a yellow and white world at some point mm. instead of the black yeah. and white or blue and red, et cetera, et cetera. I think there's a lot more uh, synergistic um, ways to approach our days, each other, our families, our communities, our global issues, right? And um, I think joy is the solution and it's for sure extremely accessible. Yeah. So any final comments or takeaway and um, please share your website one more time. Yeah, thank you. I know my final comment is just everybody, just remember to breathe and, <laughs> and look around and you know, just when you genuinely feel glad to be with people, it is, it is life changing for people because they'll see it They'll hear it, they'll notice it, and they'll feel it. And so people can learn more. What is What are some of these relational skills we talked about today at uh, the organization my wife and I run? It's called Thrive Today. And the website's just thrivetoday.org, thrivetoday.org. And you can learn more what, about these things. Lots of good information there. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And you've been listening to the Jolly Studios podcast once again. We had Chris Corsi on today, um, author of... Uh, Joy Switch, which is a fascinating book. Go to his organization and and uh, get him in your company if that's what you're looking to do, if you want to take advantage of some of this science. So we will be back again with another show. And between now and then, I urge you, please, to find your chair of joy away from your computer. And it can be in your house or in the woods or even while you're standing up, people say to me, can I stand up? Yes, there's no rules. You're in the grocery line at the store. You can sit, breathe, think, feel in seconds. And you can even in 10 seconds shift um, your ability to say there isn't joy to as Chris and I were just talking about, there is joy, we can access it. So God be with you. Yes, thank you. This was wonderful. Thank you for living and, and demonstrating what joy is. I appreciate you, Cheryl. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>